Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Garrett. Hey, everybody. And Eric. Hello, everybody. And tonight mm. we're doing uh, what we're going to call an open mic, even though it's not open to anyone other than the three of us. Uh, we each have some general topics that we'd like to discuss, and we're just going to do that. So hopefully enjoy it. Where do you guys want to start? Do you want to start on Garrett's topic or uh, Eric's topic? Let's start. about we start at the, at the beginning. So we're going to start at the beginning, which is Garrett's topic. Um, if you guys listen, place to start. <laughs> Let's start. You l- listen to. Uh, I think it was last week's, but it might have been the week before's uh, Q and A show. We discussed whether we tried to get everything done for dry fire before the part time beep started or before it ended. And uh, we got into that a little bit. Garrett's got some some more thoughts on that. So let's get rolling on that one. Okay, so last week when we spoke about it, um, I don't think we covered it quite 100% because I learned a little bit more about dry fire or I realized a better answer to the question. If we're working on speed mode, for example, and we're finishing way before the, the second part tone starts, or we're finishing before it, we actually want to bump that part time down a little bit so that we continue to push that that speed if we're finishing the drill before the beginning of the start or the second part time then we need to bump that down by a tenth or two tenth of a second if we're finishing sort of just before it we probably want to or during the part time we want to bump it down another point one so that we're constantly working on that speed threshold um, but it also depends a little bit on what we're doing so if we're working to do consistency ideally we want to be finishing every time during the part time maybe a little bit before the second part time but ideally we never really want to be finishing way before the part time if that makes sense that think, does I make sense I think that's also pretty close to what we said I, th- I think we were we were more when we said finishing during the part time it was it was more focused on really short drills so if you were doing a draw or a burkett reload or, or, or something like that, where a tenth of a second is is a is you know more than ten percent of the of the time of the drill, um, I mean it, it makes sense, but uh, I, I don't I don't I don't think we were we were that far off. If that makes sense. No, I don't think we were we were far off with it, but I don't remember um, or I don't recall saying that that part at all that where we're pushing certain thresholds we want to be running the part-time in a slightly different context or, or idea See, I, I think we did cover show. a good question i actually <laughs> it, listened to that episode it it does make sense to me that when you're working on consistency you want to finish at the same point in the beep um where it also makes sense to me that if you're finishing well before the beep you don't really have a a well-defined measurement of how long that step is taking you because you can't, we know that we can't quantify time in our heads, especially short durations of time. And as a result, if you're, if you're not finishing sort of just before the part time goes, or just before it ends, before the tone ends, you don't really have an actual measurement of, of what, how long it's taking you to do that. Um, so if it, if it's taking you, if you've got a one and a half second part time and you're finishing well, well before the beep, you don't know whether that's a 1.2 or 1.3 or 1.4 or one second. Um, so you need to bump yeah. that down and down and down until you're ending closer to the actual part-time beep. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I suppose we could view that as, as a tolerance. Uh, if we're finishing way before the part-time or, or the part-time, the second beep, that means that our tolerance could be anything from between 0.75 to half a second or maybe 
0 to 0.75 of a second. But if we keep working that part-time down so that we're consistently finishing either just before the part-time or during that tone, that means we've narrowed our, our tolerance down to maybe 0 0.2, 0 0.3 of a second in consistency. Yeah. Um, stupid question, I guess. Why hmm. would you be trying to work consistency rather than improvement? Well, okay, so I started working on a little bit of consistency preparing for the Nationals. And that's sort of where I had the, the idea that maybe I didn't, there was a better way for me to word the, the second tone for the part-times in, in dry fire. So what were you working consistency on? Draws, reloads, transitions? It's normally a, it's a series of gun skills. So it will be something that would include like a draw, transitions, a reload, maybe movement, maybe all of it. That's where you I start working a little bit more on the consistency. You, you don't worry that by, by trying to work consistency, you, you're going to sort of find a comfort zone and, and not be pushing for better performance. Uh, when I'm preparing for a match, no. If I'm really close to a match that I've been preparing for and I work on the consistency, then I work on the consistency. Um, depending on how many sessions in that that I have, I might work a little bit more on speed area, speed gains in certain areas within that as well. So it's not that I just 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 do consistency all the time. I might start the session with some sort of speed mode and then move into that consistency bracket. Okay. So that I'm doing both specifically for preparation to a match. And you don't think that time would be better sent, served kind of doing sort of match mode training where every drill is slightly different? Uh, I, I think that it depends on who you are uh, and what you do. I do a little bit of both, but I like to work the consistency as well just to make sure that I'm doing all of those different things consistently. Uh, the, the match mode thing in dry fire is sometimes a little challenging for me to get into and the consistency helps me get into that mode. Okay. Interesting. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Do you make any other thoughts on uh, part-times, consistency? I like a good consistent whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I like, like the first good? glass to taste like the second glass. Well, I'm not into that. I I like the I like the first glass to taste like the first glass, but I like the second glass to taste like the first glass, but a little bit more tipsy. <laughs> okay, Terry's broken. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, as I say, it's, I mean, Gaz is a better shooter than me, but it, that's very peculiar to me. It, it, it's not really computing in my head. I'll have to percolate that a little bit. Um, I, it's, it's not, I'm not saying it's wrong by any stretch of the imagination. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that's a good thing because when we started talking about uh, last week or the week before, ending drills before the part-time goes or before the part-time beep ends, uh, we all had a, uh, slightly differing ideas on that that we've never discussed but it never come up and we were all like uh well we don't really know but we'll figure it out so <clears throat> good things to go and percolate on and we'll we'll see where it goes maybe we'll we'll pick up on it again at some point and, and see where it takes us hmm. so uh shall we just to just to clarify lastly the consistency thing is basically match mode you're applying match mode in that environment that's it but repeating the same drill yes so it's match mode, but doing the same role. Yes. That, Which might have just confused Tarek more. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I can literally see the smoke coming out of his ears as he's trying. To. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how I feel about that, Gaz. Um, I, I'm, I could go either way. I'd, I'd need to think about it. I've heard that too. about you. Uh, yeah, we say that a lot, especially on the show. Um, oh, wow, because it's true. Uh, sorry. 
I've I've never done consistency. I don't think um, it's always either been like banging speed or match mode where it happens at whatever pace it actually happens at, um, and not not trying to do that to a specific part time. Um, so I don't know. Well. I'll need to think about that one too. I don't think my head is melting quite as much as Terex's, but <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I I will relatively often dry fire without a timer, uh, depending on on the skill I'm working for. Uh, so I'm, I mean, I appreciate that I'm a weirdo, um, but but you know that that's possibly my way of trying to get some sort of consistency to focus on the on on the on the skill sort of. You know, on on it as a sort of standalone, and then double check it with the timer. As I say, I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not poo pooing the idea. Um, poo poo. It's just poo-poo. peculiar to me. Uh, <laughs> and the same consistency drills could be done with the normal smaller drills as well, like your drills and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so so if we if we're working speed, we we could be prone to making some sort of technical error while we're getting some gains or while we're pushing that threshold. In the same light, if we want to see what the time is that we can run them at consistently or con- yeah consistently, we can do the, have the same kind of approach to to smaller drills where you're not amalgamating a whole lot of different skills into one drill, if you want to call it that. See, that so, makes a bit more sense to me because your draw jokes aside, there's, there's sort of a, a, a limit of human function that you're, you're, not, you're, you're not going to get, and, and that may vary for different people, but, you know, like on a draw or, or whatever, there's, there's a time period where you're probably not going to get any faster than that. Um, hmm. it, it's on the, on, on the other drills that I, I, I would just think that you know, in, in the same time, I'd, I'd be trying to, I don't know, Im, Im, improve the accuracy or, or increase the difficulty or something. I, as I say, dude, I'm, I'm not you. I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as you with a pistol. It's just interesting. Yeah. No, sure. so, so that way makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, maybe not just specifically on isolation skills like draws. Um, but it, I guess on the other, on the match mode stuff, if you found sort of your, I don't want to say comfort level, but if you found this this sort of spot where you you think you can complete that drill in in X amount of time, um, not trying to go faster, so trying to be consistent, probably helps you not cheat the sights. So not fool yourself into thinking that you're calling good shots when you might not be, um, while still actually being able to record the time that it takes. Because for mm. for match mode stuff, I don't typically have a part time. Like yeah, no, sure. I'll have a I'll have a start beep and I'll just do the thing, and then it's probably slightly difficult to. Um, you don't probably want to have a time on that, but your brain could be. You could in match mode in theory be going more slowly than you need to if you don't have something that tells you that dude you should have been done by now. Mm, yeah. Yeah, sure. Does that make sense to you? So if you have a, a, a set of skills, so you have a draw, um, three targets, reload, three targets, and you have determined that you can do that in, in let's pick a time, six seconds. Um, if you're doing that just with a start beep, it could be taking you eight or 10 seconds. Um, mm-hmm. you, could be, you could be slowing down to a point where your brain won't be able to quantify that difference. You'll be like, I'm calling good shots, but you might not be doing the transitions and things at, at sort of the speed that you need to be doing them at. You want to be calling the good shots, or filling them in, but you might not be doing the other stuff at sort of the limit of your, your functionality if you don't have a something that indicates a, a, a reasonable time. 
not a tight time because you don't want to be pushing speed, but a, a, a reasonable time. So yeah, that makes a little bit more sense to me. Uh, I'm still confused, possibly more confused. <laughs> Sorry, to, to my mind, why wouldn't you make, if, if you're doing it in six, try and do it in 5.9 or try and do it with a smaller target or with a no shoot or and just clean it up like that or do a different drill? I, I, I'm not a clever man, if you haven't worked that out. <laughs> Neither <up>. am I. <laughs> um, no, just that that made a little bit more sense. I'll still need to mull it over a bit, but that made a little bit more sense to me. Where and my dad married his sister, but I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> you'd you'd never tell by the fact that you have two left feet. <laughs> it's dark. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> okay so we've probably confused everyone with that that topic um sorry about that don't do this in your dry fire unless you understand it uh, which Power means you probably you have to be gas um yeah. <laughs> well we'll mull it over and and we'll we'll try and revisit it maybe at some point in the q a or something to that effect um now i have a, an interesting one before we move on to the shotgun stuff um uh, I think Shaul asked this, but I might be wrong. Um, Gaz, you responded to it. Um, he asked, how do you manage uh, performance expectations at a match? Um, and I said, and this sort of ties in with the match mode stuff. And my answer was, um, if I have an expectation of uh, sort of match percentage that I'm going to shoot or position that I'm going to finish in, I tend to fuck it up. So the only thing that I work towards is a percentage of score that I wish to shoot. And that's sort of a conservative 92 odd percent. Um, and that's the only thing that, that I, I want to do is I just want to shoot that percentage. And depending on how well I've prepared, I'm going to I'm, end up shooting that I, less time or more time. I'm, I'm going to channel a bit of Steve, even though if he's wrong about Iron Maiden. Um, hi, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you can't control that. You can't control if you shoot ninety-two percent. No, no, not not of the of the score available. Not not of the shooter that. Where even that could be a challenge is if you go to a match where it's it's a lot of long shots, it's a lot of partials, it's a lot of you could <coughs> fuck with your own head by going shit. I'm not shooting great score because that that's kind of the nature of the match. It's not a common match, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. By the same token, you could you could have a match where the furthest shot is at seven meters at a full board A, um, where maybe you need to be shooting a higher percentage of the score. Um, it, I, I get what you're saying, and I think it's a good idea. Like I've, I, I try and sort of float in that ninety to ninety five percent range, um, but it is going to depend on the match. And we we we've chatted about that after matches as well, where everyone's points were percentage was lower than, than we kind of wanted, but everyone's points were, were, were kind of the, so I, I think, I mean, I initially understood you to me 92% of the winner, which is a problem. But, no, 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 that, um, that you can't control at all. I think if you're going to do that, though, I do think, I, I think it's a good idea, but I think you need to, you need to be, you need to be somewhat flexible on the nature of the match. If it's oh, a match filled that, with, with swingers and partials, uh, the time it takes to guarantee 95% of the available score could lead you to shooting the match in bullseye mode. Yeah, so I should elaborate on that a little bit more. Um, I said I'd try and shoot sort of 92% of the score. That's my, my target. And that usually has me shooting something like between 93 and 90% of the score available. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, just having that sort of 92 odd percent target uh, 
sort of, and, and this is particularly important for shooting classic minor, it keeps me from trying to just smash and shooting like 85 or 83% of the score. Because that really hurts you in, in all divisions, but like it really hurts you in shooting classic. Depending, um, on, how, depending on how fast you shoot it. Well, yeah. <laughs> well so, I mean, j- jokes aside. I, 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 I can't at this stage go fast enough to make up the difference between shooting 85% and the other dude shooting 93, 94% score available. Um, that's beyond my capabilities at the moment. Uh, I'm sure that there are dudes who, who can smash it out like that. Um, I just, I know my limitations and my limitations is like, I need to be at 90% of the score uh, if I want to be anywhere near the top of the match. So yeah, but I, I completely agree to you. Need to be, you need to be flexible on that number. If you're going to beat yourself up, if it doesn't play out that way, that's not a good way of doing it. Um, if you're using it as an, as an honesty system to keep yourself a little bit more focused on shooting good score, I've found that it, it works for what I'm doing. But then most of the matches we're shooting are slightly score uh, um, dependent. Uh, they're not. They're not generally rifle matches, and they're certainly not like muzzle blast distance. So, yes. So, um, we'll come back to yours now, Corn, because I got a, an idea or suggestion or inquiry. But managing expectations of the match, you shouldn't be managing anything related to your performance that you cannot simply control. If it's out of yep. your control, then there's then if you make that your objective or part of your expectations, when it doesn't go your way, it's going to destroy your day or your match and your scores for sure. So whatever you choose to do on the day shouldn't have any expectations related to your performance. It should be related to process, something that you can control, whether it's seeing your sights on every target, um, calling your shots, shooting, uh, uh, shooting only acceptable shots or leaving only acceptable shots to the point where... You're going to make up anything that you see that's not not okay, uh, if that makes sense. So anything outside of your control that's results based shouldn't be involved in your day because oh, when it doesn't when it doesn't go your way, it's not gonna it's not gonna help you in any way at all. Yeah. And if we jump, yeah, that's why I like the percentage of score available because that is in in my mind that might not work for anyone else, but that is very much related to only leaving acceptable shots. Well, that's what I was going to come to next. I was going to say that your managing percentage of available points that you've shot is relatively outcome-based. But if it's something that you have a tolerance on that you're happy with, and overall, it sounds like what that does is it helps you bring your mind back to a point where you're going to call your shots, see your sights on every target, something like that, then it should be okay. But I don't think that's something that's going to work for everybody. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not trying to punt that as the way to do it. Um, not, not at all. I, I do believe that the percentage of score that you're shooting is within your control, within some error margin. So I, I, I don't think you can you can dictate the percentage of score you're going to shoot. Um, but I, I think it is within your control, within some sort of broad error margin. Um, I, 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 sorry, to interrupt. Two, no? two things. Mm. One, one. I think it can be a useful tool. Um, but I really think it's a useful tool after the fact. I don't. I, I don't think it. I don't necessarily think it's something you. I don't think you should be going to match going. I need to shoot between ninety and ninety-five percent of the score. I think you need to go to the match thinking I need to f- fire the fire acceptable shots. And, 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 and those sound like similar things. I don't think they are the same thing. I think it's a useful thing afterwards, especially with practice score, 
to look at it and go, what did I do? And then look at that in relation to the to to, to other other known quantities. Um, I think going in because it, it is within your you can go to a match and go, I'm gonna shoot hundred percent of the available score. And it is with it is in within your control to make sure that happens. Um, you're probably not gonna win the match because you're gonna be shooting like it's gonna be so fight. slow. But it's it, it, it's not a and 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 that's the and for a lot of drug side for a lot of people trying to shoot ninety percent of the available score is going to leave you shooting ridiculously slow, yep. as opposed to leaving behind acceptable shots. Um, I I, I kind of think that's a the, the the score is a useful measuring device afterwards to go well shit you know I finished in X position and and I shot eighty nine percent of the available score. And everyone above me shot 93% of the available score. I left some points on the table. Um, but you've got to also look at that in context because of how hit factor scoring works. Yep. Uh, score on its own and time on their own both mean, because you could also go, well, I looked at my, my overall time for the match and I was faster than anyone else. Why did I come sixth? Because um, yep. you had nine mics. Because you had, uh, yeah. So I, I think it's a, it's a useful tool in context I think it's, it could be a potentially very dangerous thing to think about going into the match. Uh, makes sense. I think going into the match, it should be more about, as Gaz said, leaving acceptable shots. If you've got a match that's, that's heavy on no shoots, heavy on swingers, you know, if you can, if if you're firing, if you've got a two inches of of, of a zone available, you are better off shooting two Charlies, even with a minor gun. Um, yeah. If you've got an entire so, full board at, at five meters and you're shooting Charlies. You, That's you a fun points away unnecessary. You made a mistake. Hmm. So I just had an idea and it left me. Corn, <laughs> oh. um, what if you reverted away from trying to get a percentage in terms of available score? Because that realistically, I was just thinking now, that could be slowing you down already without you knowing it. What if you reverted away from that percentage outcome and focused on luck T and I have said leaving acceptable shots, something like that, that's going to engage your conscious mind to do just that. So you, you steer clear of that percentage and try and go for something that is much more dedicated or process driven, like leaving acceptable shots, maybe calling your shots if your brain can accept that. Mine couldn't for a long time. It's maybe seeing the sight lift, something like that, that's going to engage your conscious mind to do just that, to get away from the percentage altogether. And then what I do often when I look at my stage result, when I get asked to sign the score sheet, I'll have a look at what points are shot. Now, if, correct me if I'm wrong, practice score doesn't give you a percentage of score shot when you look at your scores at the match. No, I think uh, it's, it's only, just on competitor at the end. It's, okay, so... Only at the so end. That, it, it doesn't even give you a percentage of score shot until your score sheet is complete. It okay, tells so you the then, maximum that's points that you could possibly get throughout but not the percentage of so then how do you know on every stage whether you've shot 90 or 92 percent of the score because okay i'm not good with percentages i'm just asking the question if you can calculate that i don't but i i know that if i've got a 12 round stage and i've shot six charlies that's i'm not in the zone where i need to be okay yep but if, if once again, if that was a 12 round stage with all the targets at 35 meters, as a stupid example, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll take those six Charlies and fucking smile. Um, you know, if, 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 you, if you got those six Charlies because, and, and, and some of these are fucking outliers, but you know where I'm going. If you got those no, six no, Charlies because you found a spot where you could stand in one spot and it saved you 25 meters of running, but you could only get Charlies on a couple of those targets. Um, those points per second might 
dramatically outweigh. So you, you may only have shot, you know, 80% of the available score or whatever, um, but you've, you've made it up in other ways. It's, well, I, but that's on a, on a single stage that won't, I don't want to use the word ever, but that is unlikely to be the precedent in an entire match. No, it, it, it is. Um, okay, but now are you basing that points available percentage on the total score? Or yes, so stage? over the match. Over the match. I want to okay, but then sort of, I want to it, sort of 90 to, to 92% of the score available at the match. Okay, but then that's outcome-based. Yeah. That's 100% outcome-based. And it's not in, and it's not under your direct control. Yeah, it it is, but there's no way to guarantee it without giving up, potentially giving up something unnecessary. Yeah, so I, you know, I think it, there's, there's it is within your control. I, I agree with you that you're potentially giving up time in order to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. I I I I think it's a it's a good rule of thumb. I think it's a dangerous goal. Mm. Um, I think it's a dangerous thought to have going into a match. Because of the of of how many other things could be happening um, in relation, you know, and I, and I don't think our points are that far apart, to be honest. Because I also I kind of want to shoot between ninety and ninety five percent of the available score, de- depending. But it's not it's not something I'm thinking about before the match. It's something I'm thinking about when I look at the results and practical competitor. Um, if you shoot that twelve round stage and you've got six Charlies, depending on the stage, it's probably too many Charlies. It, it, it might not be, but generally it's going to be too many Charlies. If you've got three Deltas, it's definitely going to, you know, that that's problematic. Um, if you've got 12 Alphas, that could be really good or it could be a 50% score because you, you took, took 15 forever. minutes to do that. Yeah, um, yeah I th- <laughs> honestly, I think that's a dangerous sort of, a, a potentially damaging mindset to go into the match with. I think that needs to be viewed separately after the match. Um, sort of dispassionately, I, I think. Cool. No, no, I, I, I hear you guys. So I will, uh, I, I like calling the shot and only leaving acceptable hits has been problematic for me um, because I sort of dilute what I find to be acceptable uh, based on how it makes me feel. So if I'm going fast enough, I'd accept deltas, which I shouldn't be. Um, as, as a general rule, there are stages where that is going to be beneficial because of the time deficit you make up. I'm, I'm just talking in, in general, I shouldn't be accepting deltas because um, they could just as easily be mics. Mm. Um, so I hear you guys and I will see if there is some other way for me to get the result that I want without having it be based on something that is is that quantifiable. So something that is process driven. Here's my guess. And as I say, I, I, I don't think we're that far apart. I don't think, I think we are either. I, I think we, where you need to actually fix that is in your training regime. Um, base, basically, that your skills are such that you shoot less of those. Uh, I, I, if I call a Charlie, I don't fill it in. Um, even with a minor gun. If, if, if I've called a, an alpha, obviously, I'm not going to fill it in. If I've cl- called a, a reasonably co- close Charlie, I'm not going to fill it in. The only time I want to fill in a shot is if it's a mic or if I've called it as a Mike, a Delta, or, or one of those Charlies that could be so far as to be a, a Delta, and that's with a minor gun. If it, yep. and it, it doesn't. Sometimes I come to the target and there's three alphas on it, um, but if if I know a shot's a Charlie, I'm not going to fill it in, uh, even with a minor gun. I, it, to my mind, it's it's very very rarely 
are those two points worth the time it takes? So um, I also I also won't fill in something that I've called as a Charlie, despite that that hurting the the, the overall percentage, if you wish. Um, what I'm more concerned with is trying to shoot alphas. So if I if I'm if I'm aiming for an alpha and I end up somehow calling a Charlie, I'll move on. Um, so I, I agree with you. It's just the the forcing me to try and shoot better score as opposed to just trying to shoot better time and ending up with a match where I'm predominantly shooting Charlies. But I think I think there the solution, once again, as I said just now, is in your training. It, it's in making your training difficult and, and, and putting enough pressure yourself under training that that you're shooting the alphas there. Um as opposed to going to the match and going, I must shoot alpha, I must shoot alpha, I must... I mean, we need to shoot alphas. Uh, and, and we don't want to be hosing Charlies. But I, I think that's a... That sort of conscious thought decision, I think you should be you should be pushing in your training more than in your... Um, instead of your match mode, I think. No, that makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. The other I'll, thing that I would say... Sorry, guys, go sorry, ahead. No, no. So what I can see that you need is you need a goal to go to a match with that is process-driven. Okay, and that could be something... Something simple like you decide that you're going to go shoot this match uh, and you're going to apply your mental process for the whole match. Something like that. And second thing you need is a focus phrase that works for you. So we'll discuss my focus phrase offline. Uh, I have one that I have been using. Uh, it might not be perfect, but uh, it, it is getting some better results than when I was using uh, sort of uh, leave only acceptable. Well, what Steve calls send to the dot, call the shot, um, except I'm centering irons. But uh, that, didn't, that didn't give me what I needed, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about why offline. Uh, we may revisit the, in the Q&A, but there, there is something that I'm, I have been doing. To me, the more, the more logical sort of focus phrase for you would be something like, see what you need to see. So that probably gets closer to what I need, uh, but there's something else that's missing. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you guys when we're done. Hookers and blow? Hookers and blow. That's what's missing. <laughs> Mostly the blow. Always room for hookers and blow. <laughs> uh, cool stuff. That that was an interesting one. We'll we'll pick up on that one in a in a Q and A at some point. I'm pretty sure. Um, thanks, guys. See, you wanted to talk shotguns. I always want to talk shotguns. So, what did you want to talk about? So it act, and it actually ties into a, a discussion we were having earlier, and it occurred to me out of nowhere today, and I don't know why. Um, and it's related to the whole focus phrase thing. So with a with an iron sighted shotgun, it's the sort of see what you need to see focus phrase is probably the most logical and, and the one that fits the best, uh, because other, anything else gets too too complicated and it encompasses understanding your pattern with with birdshot or buckshot or, 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 or having sufficient accuracy with the slope to to shoot an alpha or the steel. Um, and and this is the the thing I, I and I don't I don't know the answer to this. It occurred to me today. It's almost like you need two though, because you need a focus phrase for when you're shooting the gun. And if you're shooting like a proper shotgun division, like standard or standard manual or modified, um, you need a focus phrase for or you need a focus for when you load the gun. Um, and for the record, shotgun isn't about loading. It's an important part of the game, but it isn't about loading. It's about shooting. Um, but and as I'm saying this out loud, see what you need to see kind of starts getting close to it. But I was kind of curious in your guys' thoughts about what you do there. 
So, well, Gaspar, well, my my next question to you, T, was how how much of the loading port and how much of the loading part of the the game do you need to see? You you don't need to see any of it. Um, it makes it easier. Yeah, sure. Um, but you don't necessarily need to see it. Uh, but the, the the reason I don't know if see what you need to see covers it completely is because it's not just about seeing. You know, there's 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 a physical action that goes with it, um, from from grasping the rounds to getting the rounds lined up, to getting the rounds all the way in the mag tube so that they don't drop under the loading plate, and cause you to do a fucking circle fuck in the middle of a stage while you throw shotgun shells hither and thither without actually being able to make a gun work like someone we know did at last week's match. Uh, <laughs> someone, yes. Yes. Um, I don't really know, T. I, I understand exactly where you're going with it um, because you have a when you're shooting the gun, all you really need is to visualize your pattern and make the shot happen. Yeah. That's, that's the see what you need to see, but that's, you need to visualize the pattern that centering and stuff doesn't work with shotguns because often centering is not what you want to do. Uh, sometimes you're off, you, you're, you're having to offset. Yeah. So, so centering doesn't work, but, but seeing what you need to see works. But I understand with the, with the loading uh, of, of, proper shotguns um there's a whole other process that's happening that is just as important as the shooting but cannot be quantified and see see what you need to see and uh, and it's mechanically more difficult than than the the sort of gun manipulations you do with a handgun or a rifle uh, yeah you know, maybe reloading a revolver but even that with the speed loader is um you know with 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 a pistol your your mechanical manipulations are are relatively simple. Um, you're just doing them better. I mean, the, the, with, with the shotgun loading, obviously you're trying to do it. You know, we, we're working to do it better. But the, the, there, there is a there's, there's a bit more to it than getting a mag in a magwell. Um, you know, while you try and get four individual rounds into a tube uh, and all the way into a tube and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it occurred to me today while I was le- possibly from smashing my face into Jock's fist. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably helped. It's woken up some of those, those dormant brain cells <laughs> or killed them off. Um, bruise your knuckles with my nose. So what about, and this is a, a, a thought, not, not a sort of, we have to go this way. Um, but what about something like be ready when you get there? I mean, that's, that's not a good way of putting it, but that's, that's essentially what it encompasses. You need to be done loading by the time you get to the point where you need to see what you need to see. Um, but you also need to be loaded. It's, it sounds similar to being done loading, but you need to have your gun in a, in a, in a state where it'll function, um, not in a state where you have around the shell plate that you weren't expecting. Um, okay. So I want to backtrack just a touch. I want to ask T a question. Yo. T, when you're visualizing a stage or preparing to shoot a stage, do you spend mm. time during that visualization watching yourself to reload yeah. or, or loading? You watch that carefully. It's not yeah. like with a pistol where you're like, okay, we put it in. Hmm. Because obviously reloading a pistol is like a fairly gross motor skill. The shotgun is a finer motor skill for sure. I, yeah. I wanted to just find out if that when you're visualizing a stage, you're visualizing the shooting part of it and your patterning 
and you're visualizing carefully your loading, how that's going to feel and how that's going to look. So, so for me, and I, I don't know if it's right or wrong or if anyone else does it, when I, when I walk through a stage, when I, when I plan a stage, when I visualize a stage, I, and I, I kind of pay the same sort of respect to the loading portions as the shooting portions with a shotgun um, because of the sort of the difference in how you're doing that. You know, it's not a case of, well, fuck, it took me two steps in one instead of one step, but I've got the mag in. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm working to, to sort of visualize that. I'm working to, uh, to, to kind of rehearse that um, as much as I would rehearse a shot where I'm trying to get the baton to hit the target and not a no shoot or where I'm trying to transition the, the whatever, whatever the shooting problem is. Okay. No, no, yeah, that's so, a good thing. That's why I was asking. Yeah. So, so I also visualize the loading with shotgun. I'm, I'm not nearly the shooter that T is, but uh, during walkthroughs, I will do the grasp and I'll actually do the, the motion that I have to do with my hand to grab four shells. Mm. And I will do the motion of getting my shotgun onto my shoulder and I will do the motion that I need to load four shells. And I will do the same thing uh, when I'm visualizing the stage before I shoot it. I will visualize the grasp. I will visualize bringing the shotgun to the position where I need it. And I will visualize getting the, the two and two in um, and you know, going back and doing that again if I need to load eight. Um, yeah, that's good question, guys. Because that is that is important to not constantly fuck it up when you're shooting shotgun. You need to you need to visualize that, and you need to visualize that in its entirety, not just the um, I've magically ended up with shells in my hand, and I do one motion, and I've got eight shells in the gun. You know that, that doesn't yeah. doesn't compute. Yeah, I have a like as anyone who knows me knows knows I I, I have a penchant for uh, overthinking things, um, and and fortunately, and and. It, affects my pistol shooting quite often because I, I overthink it. And fortunately, for some reason with shotgun, I, I have less of an issue with that. Um, shotgun, I do a lot more, and this is going to sound like a weird sort of choice of word, but it's a lot more organic for me. Um, you know, it, there's a lot less braining involved um, and a lot more just do it because they're the greatest guns in the world ever. Um, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's part of it. As I say, it's it's never sort of never sort of occurred to me before today. And I was like, do I is there space in your brain to have two focus phases as you go through that stage? Um, you know, is, is that is that switch gonna be damaging? Um, and and do you as a result, do you either try and find a focus phrase that's gonna cover every action, um, or do you try and find a because even in classic and pistol, reloading is a much smaller part of the game. Yep. Um, so yeah, do you you know do you try and find a, a focus phrase that's going to encompass every aspect of, of 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 shooting the shotgun in a match when a stage, or do you try and have two disparate focus phases for two different actions? So I've watched you shoot quite a bit of shotgun P, and when I watch you load a shotgun, the feeling I get is that it's subconscious. Mm. It's a skill that you have. You're not switching any sort of gears. I'm loading now. There's no visible change. It's I'm shooting, I'm loading, I'm back. That loading action is subconscious, even though it requires a finer motor skill to complete. So did this question come up because there was a botched load last weekend? Do you think? It could be. Um, I mean, there was a badly botched load last weekend and it didn't occur to, as I said, it came to, I was was listening to an old episode of fucking Steve, um, that it that it came in uh, that was the interview with Bill Dolan. Hi, Bill. 
Um, <laughs> and it had nothing to do with the discussion. It just kind of entered my brain while I was discussing it. So yeah, maybe, 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 maybe the answer is stick to the focus phrase and see what you need to see. And then just have that like with a pistol. Maybe I'm overcomplicating and overthinking about this. Fuck never. Um, and like with a pistol where you go load and you don't go press the button, fucking grab the spare mag, index the spare mag, seat the spare mag, you, you, you press the button load. Maybe I'm doing the same thing with a lot shotgun load and I'm now trying to make it needlessly complicated because of a mistake. Yeah, because I mean, out of all of the loads in that that I've seen you do, it's, it's very, very seldom that you make a mistake with a load. So I know for a fact that in my brain, there's probably not enough space for two focus phrases. Hmm. And um, knowing, knowing Tarek, there's barely enough space for one. Jeez. <laughs> yes, cholesterol and fucking hookers. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, my, my, my only con- to this show. <laughs> my, my only concern T is that your loading is subconscious, and by trying to change that focus phrase into two, you might make it conscious, and then it might become less consistent and slower. That's that, that w- that's my concern. That's a good point, and that's well presented. So. I'm going to concur with Gaz that you seldom make mistakes when loading shotguns. Like I can remember the number of times that I've seen you make a mistake. Because when I do, it's magnificent. It's, that's exactly where I was going to go. It's, <laughs> it's, when he does, it's flamboyant and there's fucking shells flying everywhere. It's, it's a memorable experience. <laughs> it's, it's Instagram like, worthy. It's like fireworks on Christmas. Like you just fucking see all these things in the air and a dude using choice words like sailor. Um, Gosh, darn th- golly gee. I think the number of times that I've seen you you fuck up a, sh- a shotgun load is like three times ever. And I don't think that the, um, I don't think Saturday's issue was a you fuck up. I no, think it, it was a, it, no, 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 me a fuck hear, hear, me, hear me out. I don't think it was a you fuck up. It was an equipment change and the mechanics are slightly different. Because you have to go deeper with this gun than you need to with the other one. So I, I, I don't, I don't think it was a, a Terek making a mistake. I think it was Terek doing what he does on the other gun, and it doesn't work on this piece of equipment. So maybe either working this gun more in dry fire, so you 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 naturally go go far enough, or getting it cut more so that you can do the same thing that you do with the other gun. I think will solve it. Um, I it. It turned into an absolute disaster because of what happened. But again, I don't think it was you making a mistake. I think it was you doing what your body knows to do. And it just doesn't work on this particular gun because of how it's set up at the moment. It's more more a a preparation failure than a mental management failure. I think so. Um, That malfunction could happen to anyone. I think it's slightly more likely to happen if you're used to a gun that's easier to load and you, you sh- you've you shot the other gun. I mean, you have tens of thousands of rounds in the other gun and you have, what, thousand rounds in this gun? Yeah, I haven't shot this gun a lot. I mean, I, I shot my previous one quite a bit, but... Uh, yeah, but that was I cut differently shooting. and it's it's different. It's uh, Yeah, it's a different gun. It had a longer tube. Yeah, I mean, I've been shooting the Beretta, the Benelli hard for a couple of years now. Um, so if you're going to shoot the Beretta more as a primary gun, you should probably switch over to training with it more. Um, I mean, the, the Beretta is definitely not going to be my primary gun next year. 
No, absolutely. I'm just saying that that when you get there, if if you're ever going to shoot that as your primary gun, we we know that there is a difference in the way that it, it loads, and as a result, you'll probably spend a little bit more time working that in both uh, dry fire and live fire to retrain yourself to go with that slightly sort of deeper loading motion than you need with a with a Benelli. So that's to, to kind of circle back to an earlier discussion. That's probably something I'll do without a timer for a bit. Um, I generally do that with loading shotgun if I haven't worked a shotgun for a little while I'll, I'll do a couple of sessions without a timer and just work on, on getting the mechanics down um, so that I'm not trying to beat a time or anything just kind of reinvigorate that myelin and, and get it working again yeah because unfortunately this particular fuck up is not something that's going to happen consistently so you're well, going to fortunately <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, it, it is fortunate that it's not going to be an often occurrence and malfunction, but it's unfortunate that it's not something that happens consistently. So you might be training in dry fire just to sort of that, that edge of that speed envelope where it's, it's, it's 90% hit and 10% miss or 95% hit and, and 5% miss. And we know from, from experience with testing guns and stuff that, that that miss will happen during a match and not during the oh, of course. training. Excellent, excellent. No, I think you've got a, a good... Let's start that sentence again. <laughs> Gee, I think you've got a good focus phrase for the shotgun, dude. It's working for you, so keep it. Sweet. Thanks. Or Swedish. This brings us on to something else to focus. <laughs> Target focus versus front sight focus for shooting. Um, so maybe we should kick this one off with T and his uh, his shooting of, of super tests. Target focused with iron sights. Yeah, that, so... Who won't forget? <laughs> See, like, like, if we had advertisers, we could sell them this bit. Like, Jamisons, it'll make you drunk like an Irishman. Jamisons, it's a better class of drunk. Jack Daniels, for when you need to fight the dude drinking. Jamisons. Updrift, <laughs> <laughs> for when you want to fight a wall, a tree, a low-flying aeroplane. Everyone in the local vicinity, including yourself. <laughs> ah, end of the ad break. Cass is back. Sorry, we had we had an advertising break. I think we should leave that in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we probably should leave that in, except for the bit about where Gaz went. <laughs> we should leave that bit in. Um, <laughs> so, I've I'm I primarily shoot pistols with dots um, and, and I've been kind of drilling pretty hard with my shadow with, with plans of shooting the nationals but with uh, that not happening I uh, I decided today to um, sort of treat myself and, and fuck around a little bit with my lightweight commander and I know Steg has spoken about it a lot I, I, I listened to a recent interview with Mason Lane who won um, limited the US, USPSA nationals uh, about how he he does everything target focused, and it's something I've I've messed around with a little with with iron sights. It's something I've messed around with a little bit in the past, um, but but more as a you know like five or seven meters and in, in and, and and maybe ten meters and in, in sort of thing more than as a as, as a, a standard thing. And, and before I continue, if you can't shoot conventionally, if you can't shoot accurately lining up top of the front side, top of the rear side, focusing hard on the front side. If you can't shoot solid groups like that, then do, learn to do that before you fuck around with anything else. Um, but uh, I, I was messing around doing doing um, advanced super tests, Gita. Uh, so that's 
10 shots in five at five meters in five seconds, 10 shots at 10 meters in 10 seconds, and 10 shots at 15 meters in 15 seconds or less. Um, and I was messing around with, with the gun with iron sights, and I thought, let me try this target focused. And I was flabbergasted at, at how well it worked. Um, you know, at, at five meters, obviously, it's uh, and and it's not it's not point shooting. It's not sort of you you you're, you're lining up the top of the front side, top of the rear side, cutting the target in half. The only difference is 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 where you're focusing. Um, and even at, at the 15 meter line, I was pretty my my accuracy wasn't quite it wasn't quite what I got with the dot gun the day before, um, but it was most of the shots in the black sort of thing, um, and and a lot of tens and x's. Um, but I was surprised at how well it worked, how 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 solid um, you could get the accuracy, and how e- how easy it was to still call shots even without being focused on the sides. Um, so I could still, and it it wasn't a case of because I could see where the, the hole went because that would have been too slow. Um, but I could still call my shots despite the fact that I wasn't focusing on the sights. Um, it's something I need to play with a little bit, bit more, but it 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 kind of seemed to to come together quite nicely today and and, and start working in in my tiny little brain. Um, as I say, more more on the distance stuff, more on the on, on the running at, at at sort of 15, 20 meters, as opposed to the, the sort of closer range stuff where you would do it normally. With that with that T, when you were running it out further and you said mm. that the shot calling was better than that, did you find that it was easier to actually call your shots? Um, than what it would be to be traditionally aiming where you actually focused on the sights as opposed to the target? I think I did, dude. Like, I genuinely, I, th- I think I could call them with with possibly a little bit more precision. So it was a case mm. of, oh, fuck, those are going a little bit right. And, and we, you know, it's it's a B8 center. So everything would have been an A zone on an, on an IPSC target or an IDPA target. Um, and that, that's kind of why I like those targets because they're quite unforgiving. Um, but yeah, I could kind of push it. Okay, that's that's that. Those shots have gone a little bit right, or oh shit, you 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 quake the trigger on that one. It's a little bit low left. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it did, if anything, seem um, easier to call the shots. And and yeah. it's weird because I wasn't physically co- like I I didn't really. N- it was almost like the dot on on a red dot. I didn't really notice the sights until something went wrong. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So what I found with the target focus stuff and the only way I can sort of explain it with the shot calling is that when we've got our eyes focused on the sights more more traditionally, the problem is when we pull a shot, the sight was there and then it's gone for, for most of us. Um, when we're doing the target focus thing, the sight's always there. It's almost like we can watch the sight go up and down. We can watch the whole recoil arc easier, which makes the shot calling easier. And then I, I found as well that I could feel better when I actually me- made a mistake on a shot, a hoik could trigger or something like that, which is pretty cool with it. Yeah, I think I, I think in some ways it made it easier. And it, 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 the big challenge was a lifetime of, 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 of sort of working really hard on learning how to focus on a front sight um, and now trying to fight that that sort of learned behavior. But yeah, it was, in some ways, it, it was easier to avoid that sort of now moment because you're not noticing the sights move around a little bit. You're not noticing that 
that sort of textbook moment of the sites because you're not fucking you're not zoomed in on them. Um, and then yeah, if, if something does go wrong, you've got it. It just seemed a little bit easier to pick it up, and it was it was almost like that somehow. You know, sometimes it's like. It, it's easier to pick stuff up in your peripheral vision than when you're looking at it. It's it's almost that because you weren't staring at it, it and, and you weren't consciously sort of front brain focusing on it, it was almost easier to get the info. Um, yeah. And as I said, it's something I'm going to have to play with a little bit, a lot more, but uh, I was very keen to discuss it with you because I know you do it quite a bit. So, so sorry, Corn. Okay. Neat story. I, I fiddled with similar stuff today. Um, just shooting like five shot strings at multiple distances, 15, 20, and then 30 meters. And I started playing with the, the sight focus versus target focus at 30 meters, which I haven't really done before. But when I was strictly sights focused, my accuracy in total on, on an IPSC target uh, wasn't great, shall we say. But when I went back and I did it more target focused, the accuracy shrunk by several inches. So there's there's that room that where you uh, you now being visual on more than one thing. So your, your gun becomes peripheral and alignment of the sights becomes a little bit more peripheral and your target's basically in focus. You actually able to get more information and feedback that way than you would be to traditionally line up and aim focused on the, on the gun and the sights. So Gaz and I had a conversation on WhatsApp about target focus shooting um, after... I did a class with with Albert Vessels on uh, on Sunday. Hi, Albert. And, hello, Albert. Uh, hello, Albert. I don't do. I try and do what instructors tell me to do when I go to their classes because I'm there to learn from them and not just to do what I've always been doing. So even when something doesn't work for me, I generally try and force myself to do it when I'm in a class, and that's what the instructor is teaching uh, because there there is valuable learning that happens from that. Um, Albert made us shoot a group or a number of groups, but at three meters, shoot the center of this IPSC target, smallest group you can. And it's a fundamentals class. We were there with a bunch of, of, of relatively new and brand new shooters. And I was like, I want front side focus. And I'm like, sweet. It's at three meters. I'll give you front side focus. I'll shoot a small group. And I shot some horrendous groups. Now, they, they weren't bad in the context of new shooters. They were really respectable groups, but they weren't one whole groups at three meters. So um, they were beneath you. They were not beneath. It, it was <laughs> not the not groups, what, I mean. Not yes. the shooters, the groups. Yes. <laughs> it was beneath me. Um, so after a while, as we pushed the distance back a little bit more, I was like, well, I'm not happy with the result. I'm going to do what I do. Um, I shoot... I don't want to say all of the shooting that I do because that would be a lie, but I shoot most of the shooting that I do target focused. Um, I see my sights. I, I basically look through my sights and I can see them properly aligned in terms of, of equal light and equal height, but they're basically never in focus. The target's in focus and, and I use this blurry vision that my brain lines up to cut a target in half. I switched back to doing that and I was shooting much better groups all the way out to 15 meters. Now we didn't go beyond 15 meters in this class. Uh, we then moved back to, to forwards. And I think what it is, um, and, and we'll, we might need to debate this a little bit. When I'm shooting front sight focused and I'm shooting the smallest group possible, if I have something that I can index off of, like a perforation line or a target or a patch or something that I can line this, this in, in focus front sight up with, I can shoot a really decent group. 
But when I have this target as my target, shoot the smallest group, um, I think focusing on the front sight and just having brown behind it causes me to have an inconsistent place where I'm putting the sight on the target because I'm seeing brown behind it. And my group opens up because I'm not because my shooting gets any worse, just because the point of aim isn't as well defined. So I'm, 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 I'm saying that, okay, my sights are acceptable. My sight picture is acceptable, but it's not in the exact same place where it started. When I switch back to target focus, I can see this blurry thing on a great big target where I have reference points of, of where my sight is relative to the target. And my groups just, they just shrink. Um, and I think I do that for, for most targets that I shoot. Um, the only place that that is an exception is where my, my front sight gets to be the size of, or basically the size of the target that I'm shooting. There I will switch back to, to hard front sight focus because I've got something that I can balance on top of that front sight uh, that I can make work. So I shoot small plates at great distance like that. I shoot sort of mini targets a bit of distance like that. I shoot targets at 25, 30 meters, full targets. I shoot front sight focused. But for most everything else, I'm shooting through my sights. Um, and I genuinely think it's because I, I can better align, not my sights themselves, but my sights to the target area by having a, by looking at, at, at the bigger picture. That's interesting. So yeah, it's, that is interesting. Forcing forcing front sight focus has always been hard for me um, because I just don't shoot as well. Now there is limits, like I said, when when my front sight gets to be as big as the target or basically as big as the target, uh, I can't do target focus anymore. It it falls apart. But uh, when there's 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 if my sights are like half the size of whatever I'm shooting at, I'll be shooting target focused. So the the other thing with more targets target-based shooting with iron sights is that it's a learned skill so it's basic it, it's fairly similar to when we first start shooting you know when when i first started shooting i needed to have equal height equal light sight focus and all that to shoot somewhat of a, a nice group at three meters on the target and then we sort of start getting better at that and then we go further and further back and then before we realize that um we've developed the skills at anything between three and five meters for example we have the ability to be more target focused than what we are sight focused and, we, and we're getting the correct accuracy uh, and i'm talking about uh, like ipsc type shooting we're getting the correct accuracy and we're getting the correct speed out of it and then for some reason we get to 10 meters and we can at seven meters shoot the targets fairly uh target focused and then from 10 meters we just stop because from 10 meters tradition says that we have to aim traditionally we have to have equal light equal height we have to be um focused on the sights but if we continue to push that threshold we can get to a point where we are more comfortable to be more target focused at 15 meters and then vice versa we keep growing that and then maybe when we're more target focused at 15 meters, maybe a parcel at 10 meters where we've got 60% of the A zone also becomes a little bit more target focused than what it would normally have been considered with, with iron sights. So it's something that you have to learn, a skill that you have to learn as well. And obviously the, the advantage to that on, on, a, on a defensive side is it's giving you sort of similar situational awareness to, to someone of the red dot. Um, but jokes aside, you're going to want to focus on on the thing that's trying to kill you. Um, so if, if we can find a way to do that while still using our sights as opposed to trying to point shoot, um, that's a win-win. Absolutely. Here's a weird observation. I find if I shoot iron sights with guns, um, if I my first shot, if I try and if I try and do a string um, target focused, my first shot, if I try to do a target focused, is always much slower 
than if I find my front sight. That, and I think that's just a, a, a time spent on it thing. But it, it's a, it, it should, it, it, logically, you would think it would be quicker the other way around. Um, but it's faster for me to, to draw and find a front sight even if I target focus for the shots after that, than it is to draw and target focus. So the question there would be, are you subconsciously delaying sending the first round because you're not as sure of it because of time spent? Um, so you don't, you're going, if I had front side focus, I know where that's going to go. Um, and then beyond that, I'm like, okay, I know where that's going to go. Everything's lined up already. I can now focus on the targets. Um, do you think you're just maybe subconsciously just delaying that a little bit because you're you're, you're slightly unsure of your alignment and stuff? I mean, you yeah, might I, you might know that it's there, but there's maybe something just going like, ooh, I need to clean that up a little bit more. I, I, I don't think it's mechanically faster to, to kind of be trying to find. I think it would be mechanically oh, yeah. faster to target focus. I just find for me, um, and I, and I think it's that. I think it's it's I'm I'm, I'm not getting the feedback I'm used to. Um, and I think that's just a case of I need to I need to train to learn to use that feedback more effectively. Um, you know, the feedback yeah, that I'm getting from that. I'm pretty sure it's just a time spent thing in a account confidence is the is the wrong word, but it's it might be a confidence in that first round placement that, that's yeah. delaying it just a just a smidge. Yeah. Uh, Gaz, anything yeah, else on target cool. focus? No no. That's cool. Tea that bag. makes sense on your side, T, with that first shot as well. All makes sense. Cool. Cool stuff. So uh, anyone else want to want to throw a topic into? <laughs> so we, I, I, so we, so we try and discuss Enco's topic quickly while uh, Gaz has still got a little bit of battery left. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. So if no one else has anything else, we'll, we'll throw Enco's topic in here. So Enco sent me a, a message the other night after he did a malfunction clearance on a, a stage that they were practicing. Um, super fast clearance um, and he went immediately to his clearance procedure I don't agree with his clearance procedure but he went immediately to it and it worked for him uh, so he sent me a message and said have we discussed malfunctions on the show and uh, what do we do for malfunction clearance what 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 do the three of us do or what do we do as individuals uh, to to fix guns that don't work um, so just to explain what Unco did Unco had I suspect it was a bad primer light strike uh, he racked the gun and went straight back to shooting. That happened to work in this instance. Uh, this was one round after a reload, as I recall. So he could have just as easily had a mag that was unseated, and that would have cost him a lot of time because he skipped the tap. Um, T-Bag? So I'm, 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 I'm in team tap rack. I, I know a lot of guys don't do it. They go, uh, and it's, it's, it's a bad habit, I think, that guys have developed because if you're shooting reloads in that, there's more chance of it being a bad round. Um, part of my thinking with it is that the first time it happens that it's because the mag wasn't in properly. You didn't reload. You didn't seat it properly after a reload. You had a, a, a table start and you hit your mag release. or your gun was in your holster, you know, especially from a defensive point of view, your gun was in your holster and your mag release got bumped in the holster, which happens especially if you, you insist on having an extended mag release in your carry gun. Um, all the time you've ever saved by just racking, you've now pissed on by not rack, by not tap racking that time because the gun's going to go click and you're going to get stuck in a loop. Everyone goes, oh, then I... And what generally happens is you get stuck in a loop of rack, 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 doesn't work, look at the gun, eventually... And then I often see you guys then tap the mag, pull the trigger, that doesn't work, then they rack the slide... 
and and we're into you know five or six second malfunction clearance or longer. Uh, so I'm I'm a big fan of if the gun goes click, build the habit of tap racking it, especially if you're a defensive gun user as well. You know if you if you're if you're not just a gamer fag, if 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 you're carrying a gun or if you've got a home defense gun or whatever. If that gun's loaded, it's a quality gun loaded with quality ammunition. There's a lot more chance that click is not because of a, a, a shitty primer, but because your mags come loose or something like that. Um, it, it makes better sense to me to tap rack. And to be honest, like I don't think about that. That that is a uh, that that a guy I knew years ago made an interesting sort of description of it. He was like, it didn't go to his brain; it just came from his spine. Um, if my gun goes click. I tap record before I've even thought about what's happening. So it, it took me a bit of time to uh, decide that tap rack was the right thing to do for competition. Um, it's always the right thing to do in a, in a carry situation. But for a while, I, I deluded myself into thinking that I could separate the two actions that when I'm shooting my carry gun, I'll do a tap rack. And when I'm shooting my competition gun, I'll just do a rack. Um, I didn't. But I also have a higher likelihood of not seating a mag properly in my in my competition gun uh, because it's got a bigger mag well. Um, it it covers up more of the magazine base plate. The chances of fucking up a magazine seat on my competition gun is greater than it is on my carry gun. Once I have the magazine in in the in the mag well, so we're we're not talking about how difficult it is to actually get the mag into the gun, but getting the mag seated can be more difficult than my competition guns. Um, I once racked a competition gun, I think three times before I realized that the mag wasn't seated. And my brain wasn't going mag isn't seated for the most part because the mag didn't fall out because the mag essentially got wedged with the mag well and it was it was in the gun. It just wasn't high up enough to feed. Um, I, I think I racked it three times before my brain eventually went, you're supposed to be tapping. Uh, and since then... Um, I, I train tap rack. If a gun goes click, I tap rack the same way that, and this was also a forced thing that I had to learn to do. Um, if I'm attending a class and my gun runs dry, I reload it immediately. Um, it, it took a lot of time for me to, to learn to do that. And I spent a lot of time on, uh, on Sunday unloading my now loaded gun in Albert's class because everyone else was shooting 15 round guns or, or 17 round guns. I was shooting a 10 round gun and we we're doing a lot of 10 round draws. So when the 10th the round went, my gun went to slide lock. It went reload and back onto target. Even though I wasn't shooting. I was re-indexing on the target. And then I was like, okay, unload show clear. And I had to unload my gun. But the only way that you develop that is by being consistent and by being disciplined. You have to force yourself to do it every single time. Otherwise, it becomes a thinking game where you're, you're staring at the gun for three seconds before you do anything. Um, I'm firmly in team tap rack because not, rack, uh, not tapping has bitten me. Um, quite significantly so i i i believe strongly in the tap rack as well and it the the gamer side of things has cost me that so that the that tap rack skill doesn't come subconsciously to me yet it's something that i continually work on because in the competition side of things i will go through a quick analysis of what what went wrong in terms of malfunction was it just a light strike was the mag not seated correctly you know, I, I go through that analysis through vision, which is slower than just doing a tap rack, which probably would have fixed most stovepipes. It would have fixed most issues where the mag wasn't seated properly. So I, I agree strongly with the tap rack method. 
but because of the years and years and years of just doing the other thing where it's either a case of it was a light strike just racket uh, but my mag wasn't 100% seated or something else along those lines in terms of malfunctions has been bred into my subconscious so that malfunction clearance of doing the tap rack is something that I have to work on fairly continuously to override all the other subconscious repetitions that I got with it. Yeah, but you're, despite the fact that you've spent enough time doing the other thing that you're you're now needing to rework to try and get tap rack to, to subconscious skill, um, you see the value in doing tap rack for every situation as opposed to trying to short circuit it because you think you'll be able to tell the difference. Yeah. So Anko's question went a little bit further than this. Um, he's like, how do you know that you should be tap racking and it's not a double feed? How do you know that it's not a failure to extract? How is it? How do you, how do you know these things? So exactly. See? If, a gun, if the gun goes click, you probably need to tap rack. If the trigger's mushy or if it doesn't drop or anything like that, then you, ha- you most likely have a different sort of um, malfunction. Uh, but... My, my sort of programming is gun glows, click, tap rack. Gun doesn't go click, you need to start locking open slides, ripping out mags, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm relatively good at feeling when something isn't right with a gun. Yeah. Um, so I, I can generally tell if it's a, if it's a double feed versus a, a, a click um, based on the trigger, but I, I can generally tell without needing to visually inspect. I, I, I know something is wrong and I know whether a tap rack is going to help me or not. Um, if in doubt, tap rack, if that doesn't fix it, you go to you go down your line of, of clearance procedures. Uh, so if in doubt, tap rack. Um, if you're not in doubt, um, go just default to the, to the other procedure that's required for whatever your malfunction is. I mean, um, I'm, I'm old enough that and, and this is not something I teach, it's just something that's there. But if I get like, and it doesn't happen often with modern pistols, but if I get like a traditional um, sto- a smokestack, you know, case sticking straight out the top, I swipe it off the top. And it's not something yeah. I teach, but um, it's just something that's... Uh, it's something you've learned through experience. Yeah, I've, I, I did it lots back in the day. Um, so, so, yeah. I've, I've been taught that. Um, and I think the very first time I was taught that it was taught really poorly um, because it wasn't a sweep towards you. It was a sweep away from you and then you end up with fucking hands in front of barrels and shit. Um, so, yeah, no, what the fuck? I know. Um, I did the, 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 the sweep in the correct direction a couple of times and um, it was like I'm cutting my hand to pieces at times depending on how deep the, the, the case is that this doesn't make any sense to me. Tap rack works, so tap rack fixes it. Um, so I've unlearned that stuff. I, I haven't obviously done it nearly as much as you have, T, so not ingrained in me quite that deeply, but tap rack fixes most of the issues that you have. Um, most of them. There, there are some. So the other thing that I can add to is that if I recall all of the shooting and that that I've done, I've gone through phases of a specific malfunction happening for short periods of time, whether that's light strikes or maybe I'm getting uh, smokestacks, uh, something like that. I've gone through a specific phase of that problem occurring occasionally and you sort of get into the realm of this is how I fix it and that becomes sort of like a new habit. So when I was going through a phase of light strikes, it was, oh, it's just a light strike, rack the, rack the roundout or oh, it's just a stovepipe, unlock the slide slightly and kick it out or knock it out with your hand like T described. You get into a habit of that. I even caught myself at one point 
where a round didn't feed into the gun properly and the slide was slightly open. I pulled my supporter and my left hand off the gun and hit the slide close to carry on shooting. It's not really a good idea to slap something that's stuck deeper. Yeah, that, that was, I mean, when, when I was learning, that was something that was taught as well. Um, yeah, sometimes all you do is just make the malfunction worse. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sorry, that was the point I was trying to bring across. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. So if if you're, and, and this is where I'm going to plug T, um, not, not with ammo, I'm just going to say that people should train with them. Um, the way to not get into bad habits uh, in, in terms of clearing things is to attend a class with a competent instructor, uh, not necessarily a smart instructor, but a competent one like Tarek. Um, and being shown the correct way to clear the various malfunctions. Um, because sometimes we innovate and you, you figure out something that happens to work, um, but it might be super slow compared to what you could be doing. Or it might be a fluke that it just happens to work the couple of times you try it, but it doesn't work in general or it doesn't uh, transfer across firearms. Um, it's, a, it's a much better idea to not try and don't try and figure out how to fix malfunctions on your own, if at all possible. Rather attend competent instruction where the malfunctions can be set up and you can be taught the correct procedure. Uh, that, that you can then make your own and, and sort of internalize. Um, you you, you, you want to make sure you've got a robust uh, methodology for dealing with malfunctions. You also, you want to, you, you want to take as, as many steps as possible to avoid them happening. Um, and, and this is something, I, I'm, I'm quite big on malfunctions because I've, I've had malfunctions happen for real and that, uh, that kind of changes your perspective on them. But you... <laughs> With your with your match ammo, I'm not going to go to a match with ammo that hasn't been case gauged. Um, I'm not going to go to a match with with a round that looked funny in my case gauge. Anything that doesn't pass my case gauge, anything that looks slightly peculiar, any primer with a funny mark, anything like that, anything that just doesn't look right gets thrown in the practice ammo pile. Um, so and 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 with self defense guns, uh, it's quality ammo that's replaced regularly. It's ammo that's that's function tested in a gun. Um, you know, this is one of those classic cases of prevention being better than than, than cure, uh, because a, a malfunction in a match is freaking can be dramatic. Um, so I don't want to go to a match with ammo that's not as close to perfect as I can get it, um, and I don't want to carry ammo that's not as close to perfect as I can get. It. Yeah, because that could be life changing. Yep, or life ending. Yeah, ending. Yep. Uh, I'd like to add to this that um, he said you want to take every precaution for matches and obviously the, the for reals game uh, to make sure that things don't go the wrong way if you can at all help it. Um, I went through a little bit of a patch on a couple of my 1911 and 1911 based guns where I was having significant uh, light strike issues. And it's like, you think, oh, the primers are too hard. Or you think, oh, my, my loading's kind of shit. Maybe the, the rounds are just sort of, the, the primers are just slightly proud. And um, turned out that on, well, I'm saying on a couple of two guns, uh, turns out that the, the over-travel screw on the, on the triggers weren't Loctited in. And what happens is it, it, it sort of moves its way around and you end up with a point where the trigger doesn't get all the way out the way and you end up hitting sort of the, basically the half cock notch on your, on your hammer on the sear face because the sear isn't getting all the way out the way when you let the shot go and that eats up a lot of the kinetic energy. Um, testing 
your match equipment as well as your your carry equipment regularly is important. Um, and performing not just routine maintenance, but routine inspection is important. So if something should be tightened down, make sure it's tightened down. If something should be locked tightened, make sure it's locked tightened and check it regularly um, because things change. And as you use them, things are going to change and things are going to rattle loose. And you, you need to, to do, as I said, routine inspection to make sure that nothing goes wrong. And if anything looks weird during your inspection, fix it. Don't trust it. Fix it. And there's always time for lubrication. <laughs> there's all the time. There's, there's time for lubrication every day of the week and twice on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's a public holiday? Three times on that day because I have more time. Okay. <laughs> um, Uncle went on to ask uh, some further questions. Uh, what if it is a squib? Um, so the answer is you'll know. Um, you, you'll feel it. You will hear it. Uh, gun won't cycle. Uh, there's usually a slight puff of like black smoke. Um, it feels completely different to an actual proper loaded round of ammo that, that goes off. Um, and at the same time, often slightly different to a light strike. Yes. Um, like there, there is a, 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 we don't want to say always because it's getting into the sort of area where you could be saying something to get someone into trouble at some point that we're not intending. Uh, but there's usually a, a distinctive pop, not a click, but a pop when they go. It's like a block noise. Yeah. The, the problem is with MFs on and uh, and like a little bit of pressure from matches, guys often don't notice. Um, sure. I've I've seen a, you know, depending on how how strong your primer is, the bullet may just leave the case. I've seen everything from bullets just leaving a case to bullets hanging out the end of the muzzle um, with squibs. And obviously, the further back it is, the more likely it is, it is to not let the next round feed, um, which is, is a good thing. Um, the deeper it goes in, the, the greater likelihood of you being able to get around behind it and fire it. So, yeah, it, it's jokes aside, it's, it's one of the risks of the game. There's no 100% way to avoid it unless every time you have a light strike, you do the classic wait 30 seconds, lock it open, check the barrel. Um, but yeah, if it if it feels off, if it uh, if it if it sounds off, and this is in, in match conditions, this is I'm, I'm going to get in a little soapbox. This is a time that an RO should be stopping you. Um, and what will happen in, under EPSEC rules is if there's a bullet stuck in your barrel, uh, you don't get a reshoot. You, you they score the stage as you see it. If the the bullet if there isn't a bullet stuck in your barrel, um, you get a reshoot on the stage if the RO is called to stop you. And sadly, I have seen some ROs who would rather see you blow up your gun than stop you. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's fucking unfortunate. Uh, if, if I'm holding a timer for a dude and I think he's had a squib, I'm stopping him. Um, if there's a, any doubt, yeah. If, 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 if I'm not sure, I'd much rather let the guy have a reshoot than let him pop a gun. Uh, most good ROs I've seen are... are will stop you. I've seen one or two who kind of just stand there waiting for you to stop yourself, uh, which shooters always taught not to do. And I think, honestly, I think that's a dick move. Uh, if you think the dude's had a squib, stop him for his safety, your safety, and the other shooters on the, on, on the line's safety. And also because it's like the correct human thing to do. Uh, me, I'm a weirdo. Like I, if, if, if shooting out the squib destroys my gun and, and I can win the match, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if it happens in a gunfight, 
I'm sending two bullets at the dude. Yeah. Or trying it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yep. I think that sort of covers that. Um, Uncle, if you need more sort of in-depth detail on how to handle specific malfunctions, you have Tarek's number. Book a course. <laughs> if you don't have his number, contact me. I'll give it to you. Um, or even better, I'll just book you on a course and let you know when it is. Um, I am thinking about one on the 19th of December. Unko, there's a course on the 19th of December. Best you be there. Um, be there or be square. I mean, it, it is going to be a dot class, but you can come practice malfunctions while everyone else shooting dots. That's fine. No, if he's got a fiber, it counts. I'm getting more call, more call for a level, more more call for level one. So if ah. it happens, it's going to be level one. Derek, it's, nice. uh, Unko, it's going to be your perfect course for for learning about these things. So, pull in. <laughs> uh, anything yeah. else that we, that we want to talk about that we haven't covered? No, I think we've done good. Sweet. Do you back? Yes. Yes. I yes. I'm happy. Else. We have spoken a reasonable amount of shit. Um, Famously. Yeah. So, all I have to say is later losers. <laughs>